Hi, it's Joel here. Welcome back to the Coaches Rising podcast number 38. And in today's podcast, I'm talking with B.B. Hansen from Presence-Based Coaching. I guess this is a kind of an ode to presence, this conversation. We're going to talk about the power of presence in coaching as a kind of meta-competency that we must have as coaches and that we can help our clients to develop in order to thrive in these times of complexity. So we'll kind of break down the DNA of presence. What is it? And how can we cultivate it? And what gets in the way of us cultivating it? And so how does BB work with people in the moment to have powerful insights that show them the way that they are showing up in the world. We'll also talk about that. So it's a very rich conversation, lots of goodies and nuggets in here. B.B. Hansen is the uh, lead teacher in presence-based coaching, and she has been helping to um, develop that work over many years with Doug Silsby, the founder of that work. BB, so cool to see you. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Excellent. Glad to be here. I'm just uh, recalling the impact you've had on my coaching. You know, that actually, it's a few years back now, but you, you, we did some um, coaching mentoring together. Um, so that just comes into my mind. So it's great to see you again. Yeah, that was really a fun time. Very impactful for yeah. both of us. Yeah. So um, I'd like to talk to you today about presence-based coaching. And of course, uh, you know, that's something that uh, normally I'd be speaking to Doug about. And, you know, as I, even as I say that, I can just feel some sadness and thinking how Doug passed away and was really um, the founder of this work. And at the same time, you've been involved for a very long time with Doug, helping to shape this work on, on lots of fronts and teaching, and now you're leading presence-based coaching. So I'd, just, I'd love to, before we dive in and, and unpack some of the, the nuts and bolts of what presence-based coaching is, I'm just curious for you how it's been you know, in this transition since Doug passed away and uh, now that you're you know, um, the lead in this program yeah in this work yeah thanks joel Uh, as you say that i can feel that sadness in me too uh that grief which has been um definitely more present in the last year than now Uh, i feel like uh, there's a way i have turned a corner in some ways around um the loss it was a huge loss for our community of course for coaching in general and for me you know professionally and personally So uh, it's been a transition in many ways. And the last year, which was really the first year after his passing um, that I stepped into the role as the lead, uh, it was definitely uh, uncomfortable. I was dealing with the loss and the grief and dealing with needing to uh, make the business uh, workable from my standpoint. Um, And so it was really a a stabilization effort. And uh, it's so uh, it, it was great. And I've had a lot of support, which I'm really uh, appreciate from many, many people in our community that love this work, that love Doug, that love me. So I feel, as I said, like I've turned a corner now. Uh, something uh, has shifted in me and I've watched my own growth, even if painful <laughs> growth. Uh, and I think that's true for a lot of development. It's not all roses and rainbows. Uh, It's definitely, uh, uh, what do I want to say, sort of it's like the sand in the oyster shell that creates the pearl. You know, it's it's scratchy sometimes, and it's totally worth it. I'm on the other side of something that feels like I have really um, developed in some way. I've grown, I'm beginning to blossom as uh, making this work my own, which I think is my main challenge is uh, making this work, um, having myself as the voice of the work and the presence of the work. And even though I've always been there in some way, um, there's a deepening that's happening in me around it, a more of an understanding from my perspective. 
of what this is and what this means and what this can be. Could, could you say a little bit about what the key was to that shift and, you know, maybe that it, it kind of confronted you with your, yourself in some way? Like, could you talk about that journey a little bit more? Like, because I think, you know, it can be, uh, you know, we're talking now, we're going to talk about development and um, this is your own journey with that. Yeah, I, I think that um, the cultivation of my own presence has been key along the way. Um, I've been in that practice for a long time, even before Doug, um, and continued to do this um, awareness practices for myself. So um, the ability for me to see the perspective that I'm in a journey and that I'm in a developmental phase, it's pretty intense. So having that perspective has really helped me uh, be more resilient during the change. And it's also been uh, very stretchy. It's <laughs> the word I use. It feels like I'm, I'm sort of out on the skinny branches. I'm beyond my comfort zone. And I totally relate this to what it's like to be coached. You know, many of my clients also feel those transitions in that place of being out of their comfort zone, a little further out than is comfortable or familiar. And it can feel definitely scary and um, also exciting at the same time. So for me, I think I had, um, I rested in, I'm not sure if there's one particular shift, but I definitely rested in my love for the work and remembering that that's why I said yes <laughs> to taking this on, you know, um, reminding myself of the bigger why I, I was doing it uh, in those times of really difficulty, um, especially around doing it on my own, because that's my personal edge, you know, is, is stepping in uh, as the leader. And I, as I said, I couldn't have done it without a lot of support, and I continue to have and am grateful for much, much support um, from others. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure if I'm on the thread or not, but that's what it's been like for me. Yeah. Yeah. Just really remembering why I'm doing this and my presence helps that my ability to stay in myself, uh, during the difficulty has made a difference. Well, let's talk about presence. You mentioned it there. Um, because, you know, presence-based coaching, what do you mean by presence? Cause it, you know, I think, that could mean different things for different people listening. Yeah. So um, we have what, what I've been using operationally is a definition from Doug's latest book, presence-based leadership. So presence as an internal state. So it's the inclusive awareness of stillness, immediacy and possibility. So those are descriptors and it's much more than that, of course. But I think the, the main distinction that I would like to make about presence is that it's actually an internal state. So there's many, um, there's much being written about presence. And I believe it's our main, one of our main core competencies as a, as a body of work and as a business, as a coach training and leadership development business. Um, a lot is being written about it. And I love that it's coming to the forefront. It's sort of like mindfulness was 10 years ago. So this, this place of presence is sort of cresting the wave now. And um, Doug and I talked about that, about how important that is as a core, uh, or what we call meta competency even, um, to cultivate in ourselves as coaches and in our clients. What I notice about what's being written and talked about and uh, taught around presence is that it's sort of from the outside in. I haven't found anything or any other stream that's holding it the way we do uh, in presence-based coaching, which is from the inside out. So uh, presence is talked about in terms of how it looks from the outside, how to tell what leadership presence is by the way the leader actually acts in a meeting. So those are all valid, of course. And what, how we hold it is it's an inner state of consciousness, state of awareness, state of our nervous system. So it's something that can be cultivated. It's something that's available really all of the time. And we, you know, we lose touch with that through our habits, what we call our bell jar, 
our habit nature, the way our strategies have been built from childhood to move toward what we want, move away from what we don't want. Um, so it's definitely um, a different way, I think. It's, it's a unique way of holding it from the inside out. Hmm. Right. And so um, you said like three, there was three qualities like stillness, possibility, and what was the th- Immediacy. Immediacy, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to talk about those um, and also about how do we cultivate it, of course, and <laughs> what gets in the way of presence. You know, in my sense, is, I've said this a few times on this podcast, but, um, you know, that, that it's such a fundamental quality or capacity to, to develop um, in, in our times. And even I'd like to ask you, like, is it something we can cultivate and have or that we are, you know, but perhaps that's for later on in the, in the I like that question. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, in these times of complexity and uncertainty where, uh, there's so much polarization and fear and, you know, um, it just seems that we need this, you know, to be able to regulate ourselves and to develop this kind of presence. So, um, so perhaps you could say something about each of those qualities, like stillness. What do you mean by the stillness part of presence? Yes, and I don't want to forget the inclusive awareness part, so we'll get back to that as well. Yeah. So stillness um, is a place inside that is um, underlies everything on the surface. So it's like... Um, many traditions talk about it as sort of a still pond at the center of our being or at the base. You could see if if you're more visual, you could feel that um, or sense into that. So it's, there's a place of um, no movement. And it's not a still as in, um, these are my interpretations of the words, of course. It's not stillness as in um, no life. So it has a lot of potential and it's a stillness or a still point that is um, where everything is quiet, where everything is maybe emerging from, but it's at the, at the bottom or at the innermost point um, before we come out into the world, before we're into the noise and the, the surface level things, it's at the depth. Right. And it is a resource. You could see it as a, as a deep pond. Uh, or a resource that is very quiet and nourishing. Perhaps this might be the something that meditation is helping us to cultivate access to this kind of stillness. Exactly. So those kind of attention practices where we are actually using our own executive control of attention to put our attention on where we choose and in meditation, that's what we're doing. It's the practice of coming back to ourselves that builds the muscle, builds the new, the new neural pathways. And as we build that capacity, we can also access the deeper uh, spaces in us that are a resource. Right. Right. I like that idea that this is something very practical that we can, um, we may not have familiarity with, but that we can both as coaches and the people we work with help them cultivate access to that reliably so that, you know, throughout the day, they're less, they, they have it as a resource. They're not buffeted around in the constant change and uh, of everything around them and then the, and their thinking and everything that's going on. There's, there's some access to this. Yes, and I want to, um, I'm glad you said that, because I want to uh, give another version of that in terms of a coaching conversation. So there is, um, there is a stillness, there can be a stillness in a conversation. So as we are conver- having this conversation right now, as we are talking, let's just also be aware of the place between us that holds the stillness. So when there's no language or even where language comes from, there's that space of stillness. And so what that offers in a coaching conversation is um, 
the possibility of something new yet unseen to be revealed, something new to emerge. And this also involves slowing down. So to access stillness, there needs to be a slowing down from, as you said, the buffeting around that we have in regular life, which is really quite loud and yeah. really quite a lot of movement. So it's also useful in a coaching conversation to access in terms of the process of discovery. I want to ask you now about, well, as you, as you talk about this stillness, I feel myself tune into it. Like it comes to the foreground more. Excellent. And then I can feel the, the feel of that too, you know, so it's not just the concept, but it's the feel of it. And it brings both like a kind of settling feeling, but also and a kind of aliveness or that maybe that sense of possibility that you just named like something new to emerge. So let's, let's unpack that. Cause I think that's really important. Yeah. Like, cause I think a lot of coaches and people who come to coaching, they're actually looking for that sense of something new to emerge. So, um, what, what's this like, as, what is this dimension of possibility? Could you, could you like, uh, sketch that, that for us. Talk about that. Yes, I'm so glad that you are um, that you mentioned the feel of stillness because that actually is, the felt sense of it is the same. It connects to the felt sense of presence. So it is not a concept, although it's a concept too, presence, but it's actually a felt sense in the body. So this is just just a reminder if that's what we're talking about, the felt sense. Um, it's a different channel of experience than most of us are used to. So accessing that in the body, the embodiment piece is um, a doorway in to presence. Mm -hmm. So as we are to move to your question, as um, we are in a conversation here and we are sensing the relational field between us, which is an important piece of our coaching model, um, we can sense things like stillness. And what that offers is this, and it is an alive felt sense. So it's a settling and an aliveness, as you said. And um, that brings up what might emerge as possibility. So new insights, different perspectives, understanding of how like the client strategies, um, well-worn habits might have a downside that they haven't seen before, that there's a cost to those that hasn't, that they haven't been aware of before or a uh, possibility of um, what could be different. What, what is actually um their next development opportunity or how they could grow in a certain direction, they can see that. So those moments of possibility emerge by being present with each other in the relational field as coach and client. Um, and it is a slowing down. It is a, um, a palpability to the connection between us and also um, both of our presences. So, as Doug used to say, we're relating nervous system to nervous system. So we are biological beings. And so presence um, can be cultivated by paying attention to our psychobiology together. Hmm. So I get the sense there of why it's, in, you, you mentioned the body. Um, it, it, it could be important that the coaching moves out of just the kind of purely cognitive realm and becomes embodied becomes something grounded in presence so that then you can as a coach um you know attune to the person you're with to begin to sense you know when um uh how could i say this like uh perhaps those moments where where you might be able to point things out that create that slowing down and that insight to emerge in, in of the inside of them. Yes. Yes. So part of that is our regulating as a coach ourselves. 
So our ability to be present with the client is, is on us. <laughs> that's part of what we're cultivating. I think that's why people love the presence-based coaching work, particularly because there's this dual focus of uh, self-development and skill development. So we ask our coaches to cultivate their own presence in order to be fully present with the client. Um, that's something that takes time to cultivate. And that's, you know, our development as coaches is as important as the client's development as a human or whatever they're up to in, in the coaching relationship, whatever their coaching goals are. And we can't deliver presence or help our clients create presence for themselves so they can actually make different choices if we're not present. So um, I think that there's a, a permission explicitly given um, in our training to that that's the foundation. You know, we do our own work first and clear out, you know, the things that get in our way of being an effective coach. And then we are able to do that for the client. We're able to, to support the client to do that for themselves more accurately. Um, yeah. And um, I, I guess what comes up for me is like, do you think there just seems to be underneath underlying, um, well, this is where, where perhaps like it's harder to, to describe, but, you know, as um, there, there's this stillness and there's this, you know, a kind of slowing down, and uh, allowing for this sense of possibility, which I think, you know, means, um, you know, being on that edge between what I know and what I don't know. So, so yeah. be, to be in the unknown in the immediate, so the word we didn't exploit yet that you shared was immediacy being in the immediacy of the moment, like that combination of things seems to like allow for this flow of life to happen. Like often, you know, the, the, the client will have an, the, an insight that's like an aha, you know, a realization that, that then allows for the next realization to unfold. And there's a kind of intelligence or a direction to that kind of flow or unfolding that I think um, can be blocked if we're, if we're kind of stressed out or living inside of our habitual tendencies. Yes, you said so many things that I want to talk about. I don't know if I can get to all of them. But um, yeah, it was very evocative what you said. And I totally agree with that. So part of um, being bringing immediacy into the coaching conversation, the coaching um, exchange in the, within the relational field actually brings that possibility uh, of um, awareness and insight that hasn't been there before. And I actually believe from my experience um, that we actually help people get out of their own way. So there's a, a natural urge to grow and develop, you know, you might call it um, some sort of drive or urge to evolve even. And um, I think I haven't found someone that doesn't have that. Let's put it that way. So, we block ourselves, you know, our old habits, our own ways of dealing with things um, that we learned a while ago uh, that no longer work in the current context we're in. Um, that, that is what we're looking for as a coach. You know, what, what, how are we stopping ourselves? How are we holding ourselves back in, in terms of our client, our clients? Um, and I think helping the client access what's below the neck, <laughs> you know, away from just the cognitive way of seeing things and trying to make meaning through ideas. And of course it's important. And there's like two thirds of our body and emotions and our wholeness that we're missing in that. So as we slow down in the coaching conversation and we access more of that through the felt sense, through the emotions, what we really care about, you know, what our longings are, what's calling us, um, that is creating immediacy in a way that is moving things, moving the blocks. And then as we do that, there's more able to emerge. Uh, and that natural urge to uh, liberate ourselves and to move toward what we truly care about, what matters to us, uh, gets engaged. 
and that happens in that space. And so the immediacy of the moment means that we're always working in what's happening now from a coaching standpoint. We're working with the client in terms of what's showing up now. So what's emerging now? And this is what we're doing right now, actually, in our conversation. We are working in immediacy. So we're bringing your questions come from what I say, and we're following a flow, that there is a flow between us and individually a flow as well. And so that intersection there is what makes the, um, the immediacy so powerful. Mm. Yeah, I think that's like saved my ass a lot of times, like when I've been <laughs> prepared. <laughs> Just like go with the flow of the moment, you know? <laughs> so Yes, and, and there's, a, there's a piece of us as coaches that needs to be aware of, and that's part of presence also, is being aware of time frames and constraints. And, you know, there's also a structure to a coaching conversation that's very important. So it's not all flow, there's structure as well. So it's a nice polarity there. And we're riding both of those as the coach. So we're holding this conversation, which is very in the flow right now, in, you know, a 45-minute container of a podcast. So it's, it's, I feel like we need both. You know, my experience is, is that the structure needs to be there so the flow can happen. And we have preferences of sometimes we want flow only, sometimes we want structure only. And that dance between the two and being present to both as a coach is actually super useful. And actually, that's what Doug used to challenge me on was my bias towards the flow. I know. <laughs> I know yeah. you have that. <laughs> yeah, no. um, uh, I, w- I wanted to ask you about like, like compassion as well, because, you know, the more I coach over the years, the more I sort of see that um, a lot of what brings people into coaching, well, you know, yeah. Yeah, a lot of the time it's like there, there's some sense of deficiency or lack and they're actually looking to um, get, get something. And when I have that thing, then I will be okay, you know, and, and they're not actually working with that sense of deficiency. So um, I guess I'm curious mm-hmm. about for you how important that, that is in terms of, you know, being compassionate with what people contact in themselves as they are in presence and having these insights. Does that make sense as a, as a, as a question, you know, because a a lot of time I think coaching can be very goal oriented. It's about kind of reaching a desired place, state type of leadership or, you know, sure. Yeah. So you're asking about compassion and where and the role of that in coaching? Um, yeah, yeah. Like, I guess I'm wondering in presence-based coaching, um, you know, it, is there, uh, like, wh- how do you deal with, like, people contacting these habitual tendencies? Let's talk about those, actually, as well. And perhaps that often inside of those, there may be uh, some sense of, like, it was a protective strategy that, uh, mm-hmm. that um was pretty, you know, it was very useful at some point, but may now have outlived its use. Yes. And, um, but perhaps the client isn't really acknowledging that or able to be with that yeah. in some way. So, yeah, that's, that's a very uh, rich question they're asking. So I'll, I'll speak to it and then see if there's more um, yeah. that you want me to address. So, um, I think there's, there's so many different, this is very evocative for me. I can feel a lot of different things I want to say, which is great. So I, I think the importance of the relational field, so that space that we're holding together in this conversation, you know, it's the, you could say it's the third entity or it's the, the, the place that where we meet uh, that feels like almost like can feel like a bubble. It can feel like a, just the two of us, nobody else in the world, because we're right here and we're being present together. I think that is crucial for change. I think the relationship between the coach and the client is crucial Hmm. for change. I think change happens within relationship. I think change happens in the present moment. So when we're working with someone that wants to go forward, that has a, a goal and I want to get to that on the outside, 
um, I think one thing we do is bring that person and help that person be in the present moment within themselves. So we are in the present moment as the coach and that helps the client regulate their nervous system to where we are. So we're a resource for them. And also um, there's an invitation space to see underneath, you know, to get underneath. So you were talking about a client that has, uh, you know, some pattern and yet doesn't want to um, or is not able yet to see what's driving that underneath, maybe a sense of deficiency or whatever it could be. And so by slowing down and, and connecting together in the relational field and being present, then there is a possibility of seeing actually having that emerge what's underneath or asking questions, inquiring with compassion what's underneath. So those, there has to be some sense of safety, psychological safety and trust with the client uh, that the client and the coach have built together in order for those kind of things to be revealed. And it's quite counterintuitive because our whole world is built, built on outside, you know, performing on the outside. And that's different than this is more developmental coaching. So this is more what's driving on the inside and seeing those limitations and those barriers. And it calls for compassion because first of all, I as coach am doing my own work. So I'm humbled by that. I know it's not that easy to see the around the crannies, the nooks and crannies that are I'd rather avoid seeing. And when I have a compassionate companion on the journey with me that's doing their own work, it's much more of an invitation for me to look inward and to take that risk to look inward, to see what's what's really in the way. You know, and then the space of compassion holds that for the client and then hopefully cultivates their own compassion as the coach is compassionate toward the difficult areas. Because this is, you know, this is real work. This isn't just, you know, I'm going to make uh, whatever it is. I don't even want to say something, but something on the outside and the changes on the outside can happen. And as we change from the inside the outside changes automatically how we are on the outside because it's it's being it's based in who we are our being not just our doing so that's the other piece of presence-based coaching where we're working on both levels all the time so we believe the being affects the doing and not the other way around although they're intertwined and they go arise but the 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 um the real change we're talking about the developmental work happens from the inside first mm. yeah yeah, I'd like to. I'm not sure if that answers all your question, but. Well, it, it does, and it brings up more. Because um, I, you know, developmentally, I don't think that's. Well, you know, I, let me I, I speak for myself. Like, compassion wasn't um, that sort of prevalent for me in my own developmental um, longings, you know? Like, there's just, I just wanted to get develop as fast as possible. <laughs> and actually, there was something kind of um, a little bit aggressive or something in that you know like and actually so i like that you talk about this i don't know if you said these words but i that like counter instinctual move to in, in a way like love the parts of me that are um you know there for a, what was a good reason but actually are now impeding my development and that's what a crucial part of that is you know so actually the more I, the more I love where I am and what I know about where I am, the more that releases my, my development spontaneously, in a sense. Yes. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. And um, what I'd like to say as well is like a, as I'm exploring different modalities, uh, you know, another way we could talk about presence in this healing process. You know, not that coaching is about healing. Coaching is something, but. Um, you talked about the the therapist, the sorry, the the coach and the um, the client, and that how the coach can bring uh, you know a nervous system that's regulated and, and compassion, and um, I think they can also help the client land in their own kind of presence, which is free from those parts or those habits, and and therefore they can then give their own presence to these parts and these habits in a way that 
allow for that development to take place. That's what I'm trying to say there. I think that yeah. that makes sense, but that's incredibly powerful. I don't, I want to underline for me how I'm learning, how powerful that is, how important that is. Yeah. And so I uh, two things to say about that. Um, when you were talking about your own stance toward development and this sort of almost aggressive, like I want to go as fast as I can, you know, which is, which is um, you see now has a downside to it. And I, I see as coaches, this is what we work on as coaches a lot um, is this aggressive stance. So, and not only, uh, not, not just aggressive, of course, but um, driving is what we call it more of a driving right. towards something. And what, what we see is that that drive actually precludes more um, information and more elements to be revealed about what's actually getting in the way. It's sort of running over them. And not only that, it's the coach's agenda, not the client's agenda. And so this is a lot of how we work with our, in our training with our coaches around actually noticing those habits. So not only do habits show up in the way we're trying to get, you know, our own things developed in our life personally, but they show up as in coaching quite a bit. So there's a whole lot that, that shows up as habits, as coaching habits, which come from our, you know, our regular habits. So that place of um, aggression is actually uh, a violation against the natural flow of evolution of what can happen. And as I was saying, this sort of natural urge to, to evolve and develop that we have as humans, it kind of goes against that. And so I just want to say something about that, that there, mm -hmm. there's a place where we can um, actually not be present as coaches as we're pushing through on our own agenda to some place we think the client wants to go when we actually have no way of knowing what's really happening and who this client really is as a very complex human and what's next for them. You know, we're making all kinds of assumptions and conclusions that aren't necessarily true or helpful to the client. So there's that piece. And it's like pushing this river, you know, it's like trying, like it's all up to us to get the client somewhere versus the stance we're talking about here in this conversation, which is actually being present, slowing down. And as presence, as we work with presence and help our clients be present, and we do that through tools, through coaching tools. We ask our client to self-observe. That's a tool. It's a very simple tool, but it actually cultivates the clients, helps the client cultivate their own presence. So as I ask my client to self-observe what's happening in the present moment, in immediacy, what's possible there? And as we do that, that actually allows for the natural um, emergence of what's next. And presence is not going to bring like necessarily always a freedom. You know, it's not going to immediately bring liberation. Although even in presence, even when we see the things because what it reveals, being present with ourselves in the moment, what that reveals is sometimes a clear shot, a clear view of the obstacle, of the limitation that, that's preventing us from actually moving the way uh, that we're to move next. So that's, it feels great to see that sometimes. It also feels terrible to see that, you know, it can feel scary and awful and, oh, I've been sabotaging myself all this time. And yet there is a freedom to that because once we see that, then we have a choice. You know, we can't change what we're not seeing. And so once that comes into our awareness, then there's a possibility of actually changing something and making a different choice and mm -hmm. being present to our habits in real time, catching them in the act gives us this choice point to make a different choice that's more in line with our new story, where we're going, our commitments, our purpose, whatever that would be, which of course the client would define. So um, there's a lot in what you're saying there. And I guess like I'm hearing about how a presence-based coach, you know, is helping somebody to, uh, move through a coaching trajectory, you know, that there is, um, of course, you've talked about like, what is it that brings you into coaching? Where do you want to go? Or, or like, you know, something's calling you. Um, 
and that you're using presence as a meta uh, competency in a way to um, not only like empower the the client to to see you know their habits and develop resilience but um, that they can then take this away from them you know from the coaching session and and have it in their in their daily lives as a meta competency um, so so like you just started to share there like helping catch helping people catch habits in the in the act um, you know that sounds like that's something you're doing in a coaching session then um, and these habits are help you know get stopping people from getting to that place so let's unpack that because I think that's really essential. Yeah. So, um, well, first of all, like, what do you mean by a habit? Um, and, and then like, how do you start to see those happening in the moment and help the client catch them? So first, what do you mean by a habit? So that's part of, um, what we would call immediacy is catching a habit in the act in a coaching conversation. And we also want to, uh, support our clients to do that in their field work. So outside of the coaching conversation. So by habit, we mean something that is a conditioned automatic historical pattern or strategy. It's a way we filter what comes into us uh, and what we let out. So we call it the bell jar. That's our metaphor for it. So it's, it's a way we um, keep ourselves in, in a certain identity so it includes our somatic shape, how we embody um, our lives, ourselves in our lives, how we show up at work, and it might be different from how we show up at home. It includes our emotional states and how those impact or influence our abilities to um, be in the world and be successful in the world. Uh, it includes our narratives or so the stories that we tell ourselves, including this inner critic, you know, that we all have. That is, you know, the one that's the naysayer inside of us or the gremlin that's saying, you can't do this. There's that. Um, there is uh, our relationship with others. So how do we stay small and quiet or are we boisterous and big or whatever our, our shapes are, our habits um, from way back that uh, supported us to be who we are. So those are our habits, and they're mostly automatic and unconscious. Our strategies, you know, they are usually what, who we think we are. And so in coaching, that space of presence in the relational field helps us get a little space there. So we might say um, we're not quite so laminated to them as us, you know, those habits as us. And it gives us a little space to... Uh, disidentify, to make them object, you know, in developmental terms, to um, see, to hold them in front of us and say, oh, wow, I thought I needed to mow down my team in order to get what our work done. I thought I needed to dominate and to push for my agenda in order to meet our deadlines. Maybe I don't need to do that so much. Maybe there's another option Maybe there's another perspective I can take around how to accomplish the same goal, but without that habit of dominating in a meeting or mowing down my um, team in order to get something done. It's got to be my way, for example, of a habit. And um, how we might catch that as coaches in the, with immediacy in the um, coaching conversation is we can notice when the client is showing up that way in our coaching conversation. So our client might be grabbing the reins of the direction and saying, well, I want to work on this and I want to do this and this is the outcome I want or whatever, you know, just that same domineering behavior may show up in a coaching conversation. And it's, it's an opportunity for us as coaches to point that out gently with permission after trust has been built in the relationship and offer an assessment, offer a reflection or an observation that's grounded in the moment and say, you know, I noticed this. Are you interested in hearing what I'm noticing? You know, would that be useful? And then offering, you know, this, I, that feels domineering to me. Or what do you notice about your behavior when you just said those words? You know, is that the, the place you're showing up with your team? And it's sort of, unavoidable you know it's it's evidence-based it's in the present moment there it is you know so you don't have to um, believe others that tell uh, tell the client that 
they're dominating. It's happening right now. It's hard to deny. And it can be uncomfortable and it can be extremely useful and liberating for the client to see that in the moment. So that's catching the habit and the act. And then they would do this also. They would set up some sort of observation to do this outside so they could actually watch that habit in action. And over time, we are able, all of us are able to catch our habits earlier and earlier in the process of their, you know, behavior is the last piece of a habit. I mean, I think that's gold, isn't it? Like those moments where you're able to offer an assessment that, that lands, you know, cause I think that's an art in, in itself, you know, and um, you know, offering an assessment in a way that's compassionate and respectful. Like I always was like, yeah, yeah, of course, of course. But no, like that is so important. So important. But but it's just gold. Like when, I, I mean, I've been there myself, you know, when some, and then it's like, oh my God. Like, and you said like becomes an object and awareness, you know, that developmental term from Robert Keegan's subject to object. It's like literally something begins to come into awareness and it's like, what, you know, and you, and, and the client can start to get a, get a kind of sense, like not just a, an idea, but like an, you know, an in the moment sense of their their tendency. In, yeah, exactly. That topic. Yeah. And we can't actually change it unless we see it. So we have to perceive what it's what it is first. And so those moments of immediacy of catching the habit and the act it, are so relevant. It's so relevant. It opens everything and gives the possibility of actually we call it lifting the bell jar of making a different choice in the moment and what we have to be aware first because yeah i was going to ask you what what do you some people might not know what you mean by a bell jar but like lifting the bell jar what does that mean like if you just so there's like a bell jar is like a piece of glass yeah that is over something and lifting it means that we actually see beyond it so it's a it's a very safe habit space that we are accustomed to and as i said mostly automatic um, and not, not in our awareness our patterns that make up our habit nature bell jar so lifting it is the moment when the client actually sees something differently they see their habit in the moment like i was just as the example i was just giving it's that lifting the bell jar it's the ah i see i've actually been sabotaging my team by my fear of not getting to the goal that we need to deliver. And so my behavior has been pushing in a certain direction, which is not very useful. Wow, so seeing that gives the opportunity to actually do something different. And there's work that happens after that and to, to make sure that that is put in place and the understanding is there, but also the practices of something different. And that moment is really an important piece. Yeah. How, how would you help the create those moments, you know? So, um, yeah. I get that you can't force it, you know, there's a, Thank there, you. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> I've been trying that one. No, I, yeah, I don't do that, but I get how, like, the, at the same time, you know, you can create the chance for them to emerge perhaps. So like, yes. what are you looking for when you're with somebody um, what kind of questions do you ask or where, where do you head and, and like, what are you listening for and all of that? Yeah. So this brings in um, the other piece of inclusive awareness. So I just want to say that, mm. come back to that, circle back to that. So uh, what, what we're doing as coaches from my point of view is that we're creating conditions where an inside is more likely so we can't force that, as you said. We can't make that happen. So what that calls for us as coaches is to have some skills built around our own presence and also around the coaching tools we're using, like inquiry and asking questions and holding space and active listening and creating awareness. So all of those coaching core competency moves that we're learning. Um, But what it also calls for us as coaches is to trust the process. And this is what happens over time. As I've done lots and lots of mentoring, 
um, and developing coaches, I see that that is what happens over time. So, you know, we talk about trust and intimacy. We want the client to trust us. We build this relational field and this connection through relationship with each other of trust and compassion and, you know, space held between us in presence. And over time, um, I've seen coaches drop into this trust, this trust of the process of coaching as a really um, beautiful space for development to happen. And it doesn't come from pushing. It comes from knowing on the inside that we're in service, that we can't possibly know what's next for this person in front of us and that we are present with them and helping them to be present with themselves so that they discover what's needed next. So they discover their limitations, they discover their possibilities and their aspirations, and that space of presence holds that. And so as I trust more, I take my foot off the gas, and I'm not pushing, and I just am present. And so this is where the inclusive awareness comes in, because it's actually not a mental or cognitive state. Presence is not just that. It, it comes in here also into the brain and the mind. It's a whole body thing. The presence is lands in the body. It begins in the body. And it, it is a whole body thing. So you're not, you know, our coaches ask this a lot at the beginning. Like, I can't hold this all in my brain. There's too much to do, to, to, you know, on the being and the doing level. And as they cultivate their own presence, it's actually not a cognitive experience it's a whole body experience so that you're with the person in presence and trusting the client um, and you know what move to make it comes from within of course we're practicing new tools for a while mm. and that moment of resting in your own presence and knowing that it's emerging you know just the way it's emerging mm. and that's perfect it's got a certain perfection to it and i don't mean perfect in the mental way of perfect or the super eager way of perfect but a certain intelligence to it that is not up to us. We're a companion on the journey, you know, and a witness. I think that um, speaks to me of complexity as well. Um, uh, that, you know, uh, perhaps in the past, like uh, I could treat my clients a bit like complicated things instead of complex things. And, you know, where you're saying here about how like we can't possibly know what's needed. And so, uh, you know, and, um, but there's a liberation in that. There's an incredible power that comes in relaxing into that because that, that's where the truly, the, the organic unfolding and the spontaneity and the, you know, their own, um, organic growth can happen when I stop trying to direct it in a certain way. And I think, in the past I would get caught in, you know, again, like trying to shape the development in a certain way or overlay uh, a, a structural process onto the coaching in a way that created less intimacy and more distance yeah. and tightness and rigidity. And, and then, you know, I could just feel that in my nervous system. So, so I, I and, and so um, when I think of like people are complex systems, you know, and so we have to sense and probe and, and um, how presence is, is such an essential capacity in, you know, being with complex systems and people. Definitely, definitely. And I think the system word is really important because um, we're systems interacting with systems, interacting with systems. And uh, there's many, many elements to that interaction and it's not predictable. You know, that's what complexity or that complex domain is, is all about. And it's not knowable, it's not predictable. And so you can't um, operate in the same ways that used to work. And many of us are experiencing this on an hour-to-hour basis with what's going on in our personal lives, our work lives, and in the bigger lives, you know, the world stage that we're witnessing and a part of our communities. Um, yeah. So I think the, the, um, the presence piece, the being able to be grounded in this very complex world we live in right now, 
um, being in touch with our center of stillness. Um, it, it is the key to resilience, putting our attention where we choose, not where our habits choose for us. That is um, what's really needed. And it's actually the most useful in complexity because we can't make a plan and have it happen. There are too many. It's not cause and effect anymore. There's too many elements. There's too many things going on at one time that are interacting with each other. And so um, us being present and with that uh, ability to move. So it's not like we're, you know, in a, in a place that's rigid, like you were talking about. It's actually a very flexible, ready, aware space to be present. And we are able to move in any way that's needed or that's called for in our interactions or the environment. And it's a, a beautiful thing. Hmm. Well, what I like about this work is that you can look at it from so many different perspectives, you know, from a kind of uh, neuroscientific perspective, like the psychobiology of our nervous system. But mm -hmm. you can also look at it from um, an evolutionary philosophical perspective, like that, that you know that that we're evolving, and there seems to be an an impulse within us to evolve and fulfill our potential. And yes. um, all signs at the moment for me seem to be pointing towards these things you've been talking about today: immediacy, uh, you know, tuning into a sense of possibility and and stillness, and how those are perhaps qualities that are going to help us navigate these times you know so um, perhaps that's a good place for us to begin to draw the conversation to a close i don't know if there's anything you want to share um as we as we begin to round up um yeah no i really appreciate the the space that we've created together and uh your curiosity joel and your felt sense, your ability of the felt sense has made it very rich for me. Mm -hmm. And I love talking about this work. This is my purpose, <laughs> this work and carrying it forward. And uh, I hope that it, uh, my sense is that it will fulfill whatever potential I have uh, in the rest of my life. You know, I'm mm -hmm. 60 now, so I can see, I can see sort of, this is the last third perhaps. And I feel very committed to bringing this forward just to ask you about that you know like do you have a sense of this legacy work or like where this impulse your own evolutionary impulse is taking you well i, I mean i guess that's impossible it. to know but, but uh, in one sense but but yeah <clears throat> Like, I guess you know what I'm getting at, perhaps. I do. I do. And I, I do have a sense that um, this is my work. This is my work to do. And I'm honored. And it's out of my love for the work and love for Doug um, that I, I took this. Um, it was a huge gift. And uh, it's definitely been a developmental opportunity for me. It's a, been a catalyst, as we say, for my development. And I feel actually really settled in that part because I know that's, that's what I love most is development and learning and growing uh, and fulfilling my potential and purpose. So that feels really settled and exciting. And the details of how presence-based leadership is going out into the world um, from here and what will happen to this work as it gets changed by others' unique, you know, contributions, that's an unknown. And I'm, I feel like, you know, I can get wrapped around that a little bit, what it's going to look like in those detailed decisions. Um, but I think that it's, it feels like it's held in some way. Mm. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, just thank you, Bibi. I've really enjoyed our conversation today. So me too. Uh, can't wait for next time. Thank you for the opportunity, Joel.